You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I am joined by our pregame host, Logan Bradley. You can find him at Bear Down Bradley. Logan, you have absolutely been crushing that dude. And I love hearing what you guys come up with every week. Some great stuff. How, how's, how's that been feeling? It's difficult. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's probably a couple people listening, maybe who know what it's like to host podcasts, but guys, it's not as easy as Ryan Dangle makes it seem. It's, it's pretty hard. Right. I, I appreciate that greatly. Also joined by that assistant editor of the Bears Wire, Brendan Shagru. You can find him on Twitter at Brendan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Uh, Brendan, is it really difficult to write a bunch of articles and do all that stuff after a heartbreaking loss like the Bears had uh, on Sunday night? You know, it, it really is difficult, actually, Ryan. It's funny because I was actually talking to my wife about this. Like, it's just so much harder to talk about. Like, people think that the media just wants, and I, I'm referring to myself in the media very loosely here, but people think that the media want the Bears to fail because it's more fun to write about. It is not. It's hard. And especially with the night game, it's not fun to kind of rehash certain things like that. So it was difficult to come up with my takeaways this morning, unfortunately. It's it's less fun. You know, I noticed that last season as as the season kind of went on, it's like, oh, OK, the Bears lost again. So let's get excited about a podcast, which I love doing. Please do not mistake. But but it is definitely not the same energy as, you know, last week when the Bears won. Uh, Jack Wright and Patrick Sheldon might be here. They are both running late because of some other obligations. If you want to follow Jack on Twitter, that's at Bear Down Jack. If you want to Read Patrick Sheldon. You can read him on DeWinny City as part of the Fan Sided Network, or you can find him at P underscore Shells. Now, boys, before we get into anything too far, I want to ask a question for both of you. What is the worst part of this Green Bay loss? Is it Aaron Rodgers' smugness continuing? Is it the national media kind of sort of being proved right this week, at least? Is it the Packers fans that are trying to rub it in every Bears fan's face? Is it the fact that we might be more into a rebuild than we were kind of hoping last week? Is it something else? What are you guys kind of thinking? Let's go Brendan and then Logan on this one. I think I'm going to take it to the other category for this. And I tweeted this out last night when I'm watching it. I have very distinct feelings watching the Bears Packers games these last few years, especially in the second half, late at night on Sunday. And you just have this existential thought of dread and just hopelessness. And you're just sitting there watching this happen as the Packers continue to hit big play after big play, where you have a little bit of hope in the first half and just it all crumbles down. And it just feels like, 
they're stabbing a dead body. It's like the Simpsons clip. Stop. He's already dead. Like, that's just how I feel. And I've had this. I remember distinctly feeling that in 2021 and in 2020 and even in 2019 a little bit. That doesn't go away. And it's just a weird feeling that sticks with you. So I think it's just the fact that I don't I'm really starting to feel hopelessness when it comes to Bears Packers. I can't get it out of there. And that really sucks. It sucks to feel that every single time these two teams play. It's a combination of a lot of those things that you said, Dangle. For me personally, I've never been a person who gets too bent out of shape when the national media, you know, craps on the Bears just because we haven't been good for a a pretty long time now. So for the most part, I just give it a pass because there are people who are doing their jobs. Most of the times, if it's a really stupid thing, it's a hot take that people in the media know is going to go viral. But for me last night, the most disappointing thing was just in the second half. Like you had that game against the 49ers where I think Luke Getzey was getting praised so much where Matt Everflus and his hits principles were really coming into play. And you look like you had a discipline disciplined team. And I think that you still have a disciplined team, but there were moments in the second half yesterday where it just felt like Matt Nagy was standing on the sidelines with the way that play plays were being called with the shotgun on fourth and one with 11 passes being thrown. I could keep going, but it's, I don't want to two games in be doubting what this new head coach can do. And obviously I think it's too small of a sample size to make any large assumptions, but man, it does not feel good to be watching a game and going, this feels like a Matt Nagy team again. Man, that, that there's, there's a lot to say there, boys. I think the thing, Brennan, you kind of hit on it, which is the, I got emotionally invested in this team. I got I I started seeing all these Bears fans talking about how, how the Bears are going to win. A couple of Bears fans say that they're going to win big against Green Bay because Green Bay looked terrible in week one. And they did. They really, really did. But Aaron Rodgers just kind of does it again. And, you know, I know that Green Bay's luck is going to run out at some point, but I just I want it to happen now while he's still playing. And so I just, you know, just being doing this podcast. I'm trying to be a little bit more objective when I watch the games, uh, try to look for more analysis and things like that. But when it's the Green Bay Packers, man, all that goes out the window and I just get angry and frustrated and couldn't sleep really well last night. And so it just, it's just not fun. It's not fun yeah. at all. No, it's you not. know what? And I, I get myself like, I don't know what it is. I just have mush brain or something, but I can throw these games out of my memory so quickly and, and I think specifically the Packers bears games, just because there's, I, my brain is so programmed to just know what's about to happen and just to immediately throw it away. You know, what's funny, Dangle, you said that Aaron Rodgers does it again. I think that's the thing that really hurts. Aaron Rodgers didn't do too much. Like this was actually, we knew what the game plan was going to be. It was going to be Aaron Jones, and AJ Dillon running the ball up the gut time in and time out. And this Packers team kind of seemed right for the taking. And the fact that the Bears only allowed three points in the second half, if you said, okay, Aaron Rodgers is going to be very limited and the Bears are only going to allow three points in the second half going into last night's game, you'd feel pretty good about that, right? Yes, except it's Bears offense. Like yeah. I, I, I was thinking about this, guys, like on my, on my way home from work tonight, like why, why do we always have to have not just – bad offense but 
historically bad offense, like just like laughable, like national, like not the media, but like, like national audiences watching us embarrass ourselves offensively over and over and over again. Now, sure. Bears rushed for a buck 80. Like that's, that's fantastic. But 11 pass attempts, like gentlemen, like that's like, I, I'm so sick of being the, Hey, we've got a, a defense that's okay. And then an offense that's historically bad. I, I just can't do it anymore. And I know it's only two games, but through two weeks, the bears are dead last in pass attempts in the league with 14 a game. And the next lowest is the 49 49ers with 26 passes a game. So we are in dead last by 12 passes per game through two weeks. Gentlemen, I want to read off a few stats to you. Justin Fields is 15 for 28, 191 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions in two games. Not in one game, in two games. Now, David Montgomery, 32 carries for 148 yards, 4.6 a pop. That is awesome. Uh, Khalil Herbert, 13 rushes for 83 yards. That's 6.4 a pop. Uh, But this one gets me. Equinamius St. Brown. Three receptions for 57 yards. That is leading the Chicago Bears in receptions after two full football games. I was kind of concerned. I don't think I've voiced this publicly, but in my head, I was kind of concerned going into the season that maybe this was going to look a lot like 2004. And Ryan, I don't know if you remember 2004, just with, and let's take out all of the quarterback situations where Rex Grossman got hurt and we're experiencing the Chad Hutchinson and Craig Krenzel train and Jonathan Quinn. But the fact Wait, that, sorry, yeah, I just had to throw up just a little in my mouth. I sorry, know. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. Please. If you were listening to that, I'm sorry if you were eating, but the Bears didn't have many pass catchers on that team. And I think the leading receiver had, I actually it was a trivia question. I think I gave you guys, it was like 600 yards by David Terrell. Are we on, are we kind of on that same track for, to, seeing a receiver lead the team with like 600 yards this season, because if so, God, I can't, I don't know if I could stomach that's that full season. I, I don't, I just, what's going on with Darnell Mooney. Now Cole Komet, like we we've gone back and forth on this one a little bit within the text chain. And I don't want to get too much because we do have to get to the outhouse and the penthouse and all that stuff. And I have a couple good, true, false questions for you, but it just, it's concerning to see the playmakers. And and when asked about it, Eberflus said, yeah, we got to get our, our playmakers involved, bro. You're the head coach. We've heard this before a la Matt Nagy, which is like, yeah, we got to figure it, figure it out. At least he didn't say we got to figure out the whys. If he would have said that, I would have like thrown my radio out the car. Like I just couldn't do it. Yeah. It was just a tough reality check. And I think le- spin it positively. I, I don't know, but like the first week it was a weird game. The bears, the bears absolutely deserve to win and everything. But I also think this was a nice little reality check for this whole fan base, for the city, for where this team is at. It, it should bring everybody back to, okay, look at how talent deficient this roster is. Whether you're talking about the, the front seven on defense, whether you're talking about your pass catchers, this is probably more of what the, I mean, they should be better than this offensively. I'm not saying that they are this bad, but we are talent deficient, uh, but that still doesn't explain away through two games, Mooney and Komet having seven combined targets for two catches and four total yards. It's uh, that's worse than I thought it would be. That's for sure. They need help at linebacker. They need help at defensive line. 
They probably need at least another offensive lineman or two. Sam Mustafer, good. They need wide receivers. I, yeah. But, you know, I think that's the thing that I keep going back to is last week, you were talking about the hits principle, talking about you know, the, the team looked well coached. I think they might still be well coached. I'm, you know, I'm not throwing out Eberflus yet, but they are, Logan, they use it talent deficient. They just don't have enough talent on this roster. Guys, the best way to pick yourself up after a disgusting loss is to make yourself look better. So go and get yourself a haircut at Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. They've been serving the community for 68 years with six barbers, open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience at Sheridan'sBarbershop.com, or you can call 630-668-0137 to book today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. The only thing that is going to cheer me up is hearing Brendan's breakdown. It was so awesome to have it back last week to hear it uh, at, its, at its full swing. Stoked for it. All right, Brendan, it's time. Let's hear it, baby. The Chicago Bears made their yearly trip to the land that has more dumb roundabouts than drunks. And that's saying something. We're talking about the Bears going to Wisconsin to take on the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. And because no Bears fan should see a Packer fan in the daylight, this game was thankfully played at night. We had a hot start to this one, folks, as both teams scored on their opening possessions. A field goal by Mason, Bill Crosby was the straw that stirred the drink to put the Packers offense up by three. But the Bears responded with some good old fashioned ground and pound. David C. Montgomery Burns went nuclear on the Packers defenders, setting up an easy touchdown run from Justin Fields Yates. It felt like it was fantasy football because the Bears were up seven to three. But the good times didn't last. Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon channeled their inner Talladega Knights with a little shake and bake, cruising through the Bears defense. They might as well have been screaming, I'm on fire. I'm on fire, just like Ricky Bobby. Meanwhile, Rodgers became the Joker as he was making an example of Kyler, Commissioner Gordon. The bat signal never came as he was torched by the Packers receivers. Even Randall, it's corn, a big lump on the cob, got in on the action. It was quickly 24-7 Packers. It took a Manitowoc minute, but the Bears finally got their offense going again and were on the verge of scoring a touchdown. Unfortunately, league rules prohibit good things happening to the Bears at Lambeau, and they were forced to settle for absolutely nothing. Packers 27, Bears 10. There it is. There it is. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) Man, there's a a lot to talk about. Okay, let's just – this was not in my plan. First watch, I thought he didn't get in. It seems pretty conclusive that Justin Fields got in in a time that would have changed the whole makeup of the game, but Green Bay gets the calls. I'm shocked, boys. This is my shocked voice. I'm I'm not usually I I, I like kind of pushing back on when everyone's like grr, grr, the refs they hate us, especially against Green Bay. It, it, it absolutely was a fact that there were so many missed calls. Uh, that would have helped the Bears last night. And then you do have the the fourth and one where Fields probably didn't get in. It, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think I looked at it multiple times. I couldn't see the ball, but I think that he did get in the end zone. At the same time, because I'm the guy that always plays this. So say you get in the end zone there, you get within seven points. 
you you still have a whole lot of things that have to go right for the Bears to win that game. But at the same time, this is kind of a team right now that is sort of going to be working off moral victories in a lot of different games this year. And I think being able to get that game within seven points from where you were at would have been quite a win. So I definitely get people being pretty angry about that. Even if the Bears scored there, they're down by seven, they still have to make a stop. But we saw last week how much momentum helps this team in terms of, okay, if the offense scores a touchdown, they're able to act like the defense is able to respond. And I think there's really no way to know, but I really do think that things would have looked a little bit different. And you know what? Yes, it was. I will give you that. It's inconclusive that the ball actually crossed the line. You saw his hand right there. So you can kind of assume that the ball crossed, but the refs, I mean, I thought it was pretty clear on the first uh, shot in live time that he crossed the line just for like a split second and actually crossed the plane. So the refs should have just called the touchdown, made the safe call, reviewed it without having the bears to make a challenge to do so. And then I think, you know, the call would have still stood. So I still think that was a miss because on first watch, I thought it was clear that he crossed. Yeah. Sheldon is the one that, that when he texted it, like that he was in, I was like, I don't think so, dude, watching it again and again and seeing the pick still frame images of it, dude, cross the plane. And the thing that is like really got me nuts right now is that tennis. Yes. Tennis is doing a better job of tracking the ball than the national football league. Like, I just don't understand like how we don't have the technology to have like do I sound dumb when I say GPS tracking on a football that it's like, why are we still using a chain gang that is just like, Oh, you know, I think like, this is my eyesight. This is like kind of where it should be. Like, dude, like this is like, like a billion dollar industry. Like let's make this happen. Am I crazy? No. And especially with gambling becoming as big as it is too. Like those calls, it, there's even more money that's turning over with something like that. So the technology exists. It has to. It's just actually putting it into motion. Who knows? Maybe Jeff Bezos is the guy that's going to do that now after he was dapping up Roger Goodell last week. It will never not be funny that we just have dudes, parentheses, referees that are just looking at these plays that are going a million miles per hour and are just going, ah, pretty sure the ball ended up right here in this specific inch to uh, another inch yard line. It's like, it's a complete guess. And it uh, does make no sense. I'm not smart, but I think that maybe if, if you put me in a room and lock me in there for like 48 hours, I could come up with a really stupid idea to fix this whole thing. So maybe I'll do that. Sounds like a segment idea, Logan. It could be, it could be the, we'll, we'll think of a, a working title, but something along the lines of lock Logan in a room. <laughs> Sheldon, it's, uh, we're so glad that you're here. It is perfect timing Gentlemen, it is time for The Outhouse and the Penthouse. The Outhouse and the Penthouse is brought to you by Jeff Cadwallader, our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. Are you thinking about buying or selling a home in the Chicagoland area? If you are, there's one person and one person only you should be talking to. That is our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. Jeff Cadwallader with App Properties is making it happen for his buyers. He's using proven tactics to help his buyers get the contracts. And it's not about paying the highest price either. 
Contact Jeff today to learn more. You can visit GenevaJeff.com or give him a call at 630-254-4734. And I did say call, but you can also text him on that. Jeff loves getting text messages. If you do talk to Jeff, let him know that the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. All right, boys. So because the Bears lost, we are doing outhouse first. For the outhouse, let's go. Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, Logan Bradley, and I will finish it up. Oh my gosh. There are so many to pick from. And uh, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the easy one and I'm going to go NFL officials for my outhouse. And I know you guys just talked about it with the, uh, the touchdown, but there were so many other missed penalties and maybe none of them individually turned the tide for this, this team, but it's just every single game we're talking about the Packers getting the benefit of the calls. And, and there are some pretty blatant calls. Um, the first two penalties on the bears were questionable at best. The another uh, illegal block by a defender. Um, we saw that last year as well. It, it, it was just, it was a, it was a very questionable call. Um, the, there's a block in the back that they missed. I tweeted out just blatant right in front of the ref. The holding on Jenkins, I thought, was um, another one that, uh, you know, <laughs> they they had a like, even Chris Collinsworth was stunned that they didn't call it. And, you know, if he's stunned, they didn't call <laughs> it a, a holding penalty on the Packers. It was pretty egregious. Mm. Uh, the 12 men on the field, they didn't give the Bears the benefit of that call. Um, and then the, the defensive holding where the NBC crew actually had a search at like four different defenders to evaluate which one was the hole because none of them appeared to be a hold uh, when you got the broadcast team having to search for the penalty, it probably wasn't a penalty. <laughs> so it, just going back and piggybacking off of the conversation you guys just had, they, they need to get this stuff together because it's, it's really, really blatant. And in total, those plays, those lack, or, or excuse me, those missed penalty calls could have affected the game. I just really quick, the false freaking starts. That's there what were I was going to too. Yeah. Multiple false yeah. starts that they're just like, Oh, it's Aaron Rodgers, So don't worry about it. Shells, I'm really glad that you brought up the the block in the back because when you tweeted out that video last night, I was saying to myself, I'm pretty sure we saw this exact same thing last year. I'm like, am I crazy? So I'm glad you mentioned that because that's really sad. I don't know what the aura is in Lambeau Field that just maybe it's the ayahuasca stuff that the refs are, <laughs> you know, sniffing or drink. I don't know. I'm not a drug guy. But anyway, uh, my, my outhouse, <laughs> that's the comment of the week right there. <laughs> my, my outhouse, it's hard to narrow it down. So I'm just going to put pretty much the entire bears defense minus two defenders. Okay. And we can talk about those two or three defenders um, when we get to the, uh, the penthouse, but let's start with the run defense. The run defense was atrocious, just got bullied off the line both the defensive line and then the linebackers trying to catch up. They couldn't do diddly squat. It was just embarrassing. You saw, you rarely saw any uh, Packers running backs actually stuffed at the line and guys, I'm, I'm not out on him yet. And I know Dangle's probably going to have a little sly smile. Yeah. He's, he's grinning. Kyler Gordon was bad. He was not, he, he was just not good. And Aaron Rodgers knew exactly when and where to attack the Bears secondary, just go with the rookie. Uh, our guy, Claire Harbor, posted this this morning, and I, I can't find any other stats to back this up, but I'll take his word for it. 
Kyler Gordon struggled massively last night. He gave up 10 catches on 13 targets for 162 yards and touchdown. He only forced one incompletion. That was the touchdown or near touchdown uh, early in the game, but just an awful, awful performance. I think that there are going to be better days for him. That was just, Hey, the, uh, that was his, Hey, welcome to the NFL rookie moment, but got to get some of that stuff cleaned up. He looked lost. He was getting beat constantly off the line by receivers. It was a bad, bad night for our guy, Kyler Gordon. I'm just going to say this really quick. I wanted to give him full praise for that pass breakup uh, in the end zone. That was a phenomenal play. And then that was, that was bad. That was it. It It went down downhill from there. My outhouse is going to go to goal line decision-making for obvious reasons. So Eberflus defended the shotgun on fourth and one by saying we practiced it and repped it a lot of times. He said you outnumbered the box. So using the quarterback as a runner, you've got an additional blocker. So you like your numbers in the box. It was the best play we had there at the time, which all good and well, but it just seems like when you have something working of having the quarterback under center and handing the ball off to Dave Montgomery and it repeatedly working, it might work when you need less than a yard. I don't know. Um, so I think that was obviously very, very dumb. And there, there's something to do with NFL coaches and their brains just just absolutely breaking in the this, this stupidest, seemingly most simplest moment where they just it's like me at a bar trying to think of something to say to a girl. You just think way too much. And then you, you come up with the most absolute terrible, terrible option. And you just go with that. I just, I never will understand it. Run the damn ball up the middle. Nobody can really get too mad at you for that on fourth and one from the goal line. You ever tried talking about stacking the box? That, well, that's, that's what doesn't work. Oh, I, I, al- I always do. And, the, and needless to say, it's a little too much right off the bat. Yeah, too I was going to say, come you- out of the gate too strong. I got you. Yep. Yeah. All right. This is this is not going to go well. This is not going to go well for oh, me. Oh, do it. I know what you're going to do. This is not going to go well for me. Justin Fields. I uh, missing Equinemius St. Brown. I believe it was a third down gentleman for that. Is it just a wide open touchdown pass uh, on the, on the right side of the field guys, you know, which you know where I'm talking yeah. about yep. just totally missing him. Uh, and we think it was a check down to David Montgomery instead. I don't know, maybe throwing a pass two yards or more past the line of scrimmage uh, when you might've had a first down running. Cause you're so good at running the football. He's not reading the field well right now. He has played eight quarters so far. He has played six not great quarters and two phenomenal quarters of football. And I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, but but right now he's he's not playing really well. And I think in large parts it is Luke Getze, uh, who we praised a lot last week, just just what if we're trying to develop a quarterback and try to see what we have in Justin Fields, you don't just give him 11 passes. You, you need, he needs volume. So we can tell if this is the guy we've all agreed that this isn't the season. And if it's not the season, then let him sling it. Let him throw a couple interceptions, let him learn and say, Hey, that's okay. Let, like, let's see what we got. And I, I just, I just don't see it happening right now. I, 
I, I'm not giving up on him. And I think anyone that gives up on him is just, it's just dumb. That's just plain stupid, but he hasn't played well. And people that are, that are defending every single thing that he's doing guys. I, I just, I don't think that you can, I, I, he hasn't played particularly well. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. I'll, as you just said, you know, to the people who defend everything he does, I'll defend one thing that you mentioned off the bat with the Equinemia St. Brown play. EQ met the media earlier in the day. He said that was a broken play and, you know, they are trying to teach them or trying to implement, just put your hand up and go for it. It was the first time that they actually tried to do it and Fields missed it. So that one, I kind of forgive a little bit, but still he's so wide open look on your outside, see where he is instead of just checking it down after having, it seemed like at least four seconds in the pocket, which is pretty long for NFL standards. Um, But you're right. His awareness is not good right now. And I thought that Getsy didn't do any favors early on when they actually committed to the run and then just completely shifted it, removed Montgomery from the game. It halted any momentum they had. And I thought it was kind of hard to get back on track there, but you know, when you have those opportunities, you got to make the most of them. And there were quite a few plays where I'm like, ah, bad awareness, bad, you know, pocket presence. You're not getting, you're not getting the ball out in time. You're not anticipating the throws. You look slow trying to deliver the ball. So yeah, it's, it's concerning for sure. And all of that is just with like one quick thing, just with think of how good the running game was working last night. So if you have a running game that is working like that and then you can't or refuse to get the passing game going or Justin Fields is indecisive, what are, you know, the circumstances aren't going to be a whole lot better most other weeks. The one thing I really want to know, and maybe somebody who's a lot smarter about the X's and O's can help out with this, but I'd like to know how much of it, uh, and when I mean it, I mean his processing of the field is related to the new offense versus just, you know, quarterback reads that should be made no matter what. And something that, that Collinsworth said last night about, you know, how he was switching his feet. And if you have to think about it, you get all jammed up. Right. And, and is, is it feels like Justin Fields is thinking about the offense and not playing, not just reacting to it. And I don't know what that's, what that's attributable to. Is it just, he's not reading the field and these are obvious reads that he needs to be making or is the new offense and him getting up to speed on it, playing some role in that. So, um, but I agree with you, Dangle, he didn't play well. And like, here's the thing, guys, (laughs) Bears fans seem to be in, in like one extreme camp or the other. It's possible to still believe in Justin Fields and to admit he played poorly last night. Like you, those two things are not yep. mutually mm-hmm. exclusive. Thank you. So it, like we said all, all off season, we've said most of this season, this is going to be an uneven year. It's going to be up and down and we're going to see some highs. We're going to see some lows. We're probably going to see more lows than, than highs. And I think we're beating the Packers probably got everybody ramped up more than they should, but you know, we got to have some patience with these guys, especially Kyler Gordon. I know he didn't play well either, but like second game, missed most of training camp due to an injury. Yes. Like we got to breathe and relax and give it a season to evaluate. If they're still playing like this at the end of the year, then I'll smash the panic button. I'll be the first one to do it. But let's just like, let's just take maybe, maybe four games at a time and look at those four games. And then we'll take the next four games and look at those four games and then see where we're at the end of the end of the season. But we, we can't just overreact to every single play of every single game. 
I, I love you, Shells. I love you. Thank you for it, it. You threw 11 passes. There's been two games. Let's just wait. Let's see. Let's let's get through eight games, maybe. Yeah. How about it? I guess that's uh, not even not a reasonable season anymore. Yeah. Gentlemen, there were some good things that happened in this game. And I feel like whoever I give the first uh, penthouse to is really, really fortunate of that. But you know what? We'll see. Let, let's let's see what happens. I'm going to go the exact same order that we just went. So for the penthouse, let's go Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, Logan Bradley, and I will finish it up. Well, I appreciate you letting me go first, Angle, because there really wasn't a whole lot to celebrate on this team. But I'm going to try to pick something a little bit more obscure. I'm going to be magnanimous, guys, because I, I was late. Uh, and so I'm going to do you all solid. I'm going to I'm going to pick something that I don't think anybody else has got in mind. Uh, and I'm going to go with um, Tevin Jenkins as my uh, penthouse. And I thought about actually putting uh, the road, the right guard rotation in the outhouse. <laughs> um, and I understand what the bears are trying to do, but I think they need to stop doing it. And I think they need to, to pick a lane and stay with it. And I think that lane for the right guard position needs to be Tevin Jenkins. He played really well last night. He continues to get better with every rep. Um, so his development is, I think, paramount to getting uh, Lucas Patrick some reps at right guard. Wait till his hand is healthy. And then please, for the love of God, get Sam Mustafer the hell out of Chicago because I can't stand watching him snap the ball anymore or get thrown around like a rag doll into Lucas Patrick's legs or otherwise screw things up for this offense. So um, let Lucas Patrick heal up, put him in center and keep Tevin Jenkins at right guard. He played really well last night. I love the fact that, that uh, he's been a redemption story um, tough off season, but the kid has persevered. Let him continue to do his thing. So he gets my penthouse. That was a good call shells. I was actually going to pick him because I thought you were going to take the obvious one. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's solid, but um, God, that right guard just swapping in and out is, is just infuriating me. I mean, I know our guy, Michael Gus felt the same way, but just get into a rhythm. And clearly he was so good at it. Um, I really want to save this for Logan because I kind of want to make him eat his words, but I also kind of want to gloat a little bit because I'm a big David Montgomery fan. And how about that guy, Logan? I hate, I hate David Montgomery so much. <laughs> you know what? If you keep slandering his name, maybe he, can, he keeps playing better. But That's what I'm saying. I mean, David Montgomery, 15 carries, 122 yards. I don't even think that tells the story. Just watching him and shed tacklers and even just kind of have some of those jump cuts. Like he could not be stopped last night. And I was so happy to see it. He was the guy that was willing the offense back to life. And he was the catalyst for that first scoring touchdown. And you know what? I love the committee that they have with Herbert and Montgomery, because when Montgomery, I said it last week, when Montgomery kind of wears down the deep, wears down the defense with his physical play, Khalil Herbert comes in, he's got that burst. And I remember in the uh, third quarter, I think it was, when they weren't passing the ball, unfortunately. But when Montgomery was breaking tackles and everything, Herbert comes in, he rattles off. I think it was like a 10-yard run at least. So that's a great approach. And I'm not going to lie, I'm in favor of the Bears extending David Montgomery next year. I think for a modest price, you have cap space. 
I don't think he's going to be slowing down in the next couple of years. If you can sign him to like a two year, three year deal or something, I would totally be in favor of that. Uh, just what a performance from 32. Absolutely. What a performance. You know what? I still think Khalil Herbert should be the starting running back on this team. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. I love Dave Montgomery. That was, that was such an impressive performance. And I absolutely was going to talk about him. If you didn't glad you did. All right. One other guy who we, I feel like lambasted last year for, for many good reasons, Eddie Jackson, he was the only person ironically on that defense last night who Look like they could tackle, which that's not something that I figured that I was going to say last year. But I know Eddie, I think that he came out publicly and talked about having, you know, he, he went through some personal things and uh, those things sounded terrible, awful to go through. Similar to how I think a few years ago, Tim Anderson of the White Sox, he went through some some really tough personal things. He he lost some some loved ones and he played really terribly during a season, which if you think about how much pressure some of these guys are under, um, that's pretty understandable that that could happen. But it's really good to see Eddie Jackson out there flying around because if if it wasn't for him yesterday, things may have been even worse. So glad to see him playing well. I got to make sure I'm careful about this. The defensive line in terms of pass rush, not not the run just because oh, oh, that was terrible. But Specifically, Travis Gibson, and even though he didn't really show up, Dominique Robinson uh, seemed like he was in again as a guy that they got as a situational pass rusher, Maction, baby Maction. But Travis Gibson just he, they made Aaron Rodgers look uncomfortable. Brendan, you said at the beginning of the podcast, right, that Aaron Rodgers didn't beat this team, uh, that it was the, the running combination that 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 beat our Chicago bears. Uh, and I thought that they did such a good job of making him look uncomfortable from the start. And so Travis Gibson, two sacks, man, he looked, he looked awesome. Just really, really awesome. Loved it. As, as we're recording, watching the the two Monday night football games, Jalen hurts has started the game tonight against the Vikings, 10 of 10 passing for 153 yards, one touchdown. And he also has added a touchdown on the ground. It's, that guy's career trajectory to me is so interesting because he was he was wrote off just from the start as not being an NFL quarterback. And I think that there are probably some some similarities in, in terms of the way that him and Justin Fields play the game. So it's it's uh, it's just interesting. All right, gentlemen, I have four. Yes, four true false statements for you, gentlemen. Uh, these are these are tough. Tough conversations are about to be had right here. Let's save that one for the last. All right, the first one: Roquan Smith is playing out of position. For this, let's go, Brendan, Logan, Patrick, and I will finish it up. This is tough. I don't know if he's playing out of position. He just doesn't know how to play the true will backer position yet. So I guess true because he's not getting it down yet. And you know what? I'll eat crow on this. I thought Roquan was going to be a plug and play guy where the learning curve wouldn't be too much, where it it was sort of okay. If he was going to miss a lot of training camp because of this stupid holdout and uh, all the preseason games as well, but that's clearly not the case. He looks lost out there. He looks like he's late getting to tackles. He's not playing instinctively like we've seen in the past. And I mean, 
I don't know if he's built for a middle linebacker position though. So is he truly somebody that thrives in a three, four system? I don't know. Maybe things get better. Uh, we've seen Roquan start slow before. And even in the 2019 season, when stuff was going on, he turned it on late in the year. So I'm not writing him off yet. I think he can learn it, but at this very moment, yes, he is technically playing out of position because he's just not playing it well. I admittedly don't really quite know the X's and O's of each individual linebacker spot. So I, I will say that, but I, I'm not going to panic on him quite yet just because he missed all of training camp and he is technically learning just a completely new defensive system. So I think that next week, if he, if he looks the same against the Texans, I would start to be a little worried, but I'm all right for now. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I think going back to what Brendan said, true in the sense that he hasn't played this uh, in the defense yet um, as a Chicago bear, but like, isn't this supposed to fit his skill set the most? Wasn't this position supposed to be like kind of the quintessential position for his skill set to just fly all over the field, make plays to, to roam sideline to sideline um, and use his speed. And I, I haven't seen that. So uh, I guess true. He is playing out of position because he hasn't played this position before, but um, it just feels like he should be a lot better at this than he is based on, my limited understanding of that position and uh, the skills necessary to play it. I'm going to say true uh, just because I, I just, you're, I think everything that you guys have already said, but it just, you know, there, there's definitely growing pains. I mean, this is really, if he continues to play like this and that dude's not getting himself anything close to the contract that he wanted initially from the bears. And I mean, Ryan Poles will look, like even more like a genius than, and I think already, you know, a lot of bears fans have seen him. All right, gentlemen, the Chicago bears have currently on the roster, a playmaking pass catcher for this one. Let's go Logan, Brendan, Patrick, and I will finish it up. True. They do. They have one and it's Darnell Mooney. And you played one game that was a gigantic slop fest. And then you played another game where, yeah, it was inexcusable how little he was used. But I, we saw what Darnell Mooney did last year. I'm going to give him a few games. I, I trust that this is not so much a Darnell Mooney problem as it is a Luke Getze, maybe Justin Fields issue. I will also say true. I think Logan hit on a lot of what I was going to say. You can kind of point to if you want to say like, oh, Darnell Mooney had a thousand yards last year, but he technically wasn't billed as the top wide receiver. So is he playing a different, I guess, role? Well, a lot of that production came when Allen Robinson was hurt. So even with Allen Robinson out of the lineup and the Bears having a receiving room of Ryan, please hold your vomit. Demir Bird, Marquise Goodwin and Jakeem Grant, who shouldn't have been catching passes. Darnell Mooney was making plays. So I think there's something going on with the offense. Maybe teams are keying in on him more. I mean, it seems like guys are following him a lot more, but he is still a playmaker and this trend is not going to continue. It can't. Do you think it's because Cole Komet's catching all the, Never mind. So true. They've got a playmaking wide receiver on the roster. I'm not so sure at the moment they have a, play making play caller. Does that make sense? 
I don't know. I agree with Logan. I, I don't think it's necessarily a Darnell Mooney issue. I think um, we need to see more plays dialed up for Mooney. I like the one yesterday. Uh, they didn't connect on it, but I think we need to feature Darnell Mooney more and maybe make a more concerted effort to find ways to get him the football. Uh, so, you know, going back to what you said as well, Brendan, they had a lot more success last year. And, you know, the two constants in that equation were Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney. The the one variable this year is Luke Getze. So, um, you know, I, I like some of the things that I see from Getze. I love the adjustments he made la- uh, during the first game. There are some things to like, but going back to what we said on Kyler Gordon and, and a lot of these guys, he's new too. He's going to have growing pains and he's learning on the job. So, I'm going to be patient and give him some time, but I think they need to make a more concerted effort to get Mooney involved. I'm going to say true simply because of who Darnell Mooney is, but I just don't think they have enough right now, which I've said over and over again. So I'm going to leave it at that. I've already made my point. Let's move on. This coaching staff trusts Justin Fields as their number one quarterback. For this one, let's go, Brendan. Patrick, Logan, and I will finish it up. I hate that I'm going first on this one. (laughs) I still think yes. I think that the Bears had a pretty solid game plan going into last night where they were getting the ground game going, and it worked. It led to a touchdown. There were some passes in there, you know, starting to open things up. And then they completely veered away from it and started actually trying to, you know, get – either screen passes in or just quick drops and fields wasn't able to eat a number of reasons. Either fields wasn't seeing the field enough. Uh, the pocket was collapsing too much. There were miscues on the offensive line, whatever. And a lot of people want to point to the, to the 11 pass attempts. I know that's rough, but you got to also count the sacks, the scrambles out of nowhere that where things broke down penalties Uh, A play that didn't count that, you know, would have if Justin Fields actually stood behind the line of scrimmage. So those start to add up and it looks like a a more even game plan. But I really think in this case, Getsy was relying on the ground game because he knew that that was the bread and butter and he was trying to open things up for Justin Fields later. It just didn't go. It didn't flow the way it should have. And they went back to it way too late and took the ball out of Fields' hands when the Bears were already down by like 17 points. So I'll say yes, it was more just a fact of the game plan. And I think things are going to look different against two more inferior opponents. Although the Giants are 2-0 and they're in two weeks. So who knows? Um, No, thank you. Oh, I got to answer it. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I hate this question, Ryan. It's a good one, uh, but I still hate it. And I'm going to say uh, true. They still trust him, but I will concede. I did not like uh, what I saw out of the, the game plan yesterday. Week one, chalk it up to um, the bad weather. And so the, the limited throws was understandable yesterday. Um, I don't know what that was. I hope it was more like you said, Brendan, them just kind of going with the flow of the game. The run was working. They leaned on the run, uh, maybe adjusted going into the game. But if I see another game like I saw yesterday, I'm going to start to seriously wonder uh, what this coaching staff thinks of Justin Fields. It's because if we see another game where he's attempting 12 to 14 passes 
it's one of two things. They don't trust him or they don't have competent play callers. I, I don't know what the third option would be. Like, what is the justification for having one of your most dynamic athletes um, not throw the ball? Like, I don't know. Maybe there is one. Maybe, maybe one of our listeners can tweet at us uh, after this podcast drops and tell us why you would want to limit such a dynamic athlete to 12 to 15 passes a game for an extended period of time. But until I see it another time, I'm just going to, I'm going to stick with my original thought, which is this, this staff trust Justin Fields and it will get better. If it happens again, then I may reevaluate. Just to stick with the theme of trying to not making or trying to not make a big stink of two games. I'm going to say true. I think that they still do believe in him. I think I'm going to try to chalk this up as a game where high stakes coming off of a week where there are a lot of good vibes, where I think maybe this coaching staff really thought they could make a statement and they wanted to, by all means necessary, stick to this game plan of running the football and Maybe they got caught up in that and it was just all too much too soon. Yeah. I'm going to say false. I don't think they trust him right now. It's not to say that they're not trying to build that trust. It's not saying that they're they're giving up on him because I don't think that they're doing that. But I just think there were so many opportunities when Getsy could have said, hey, let's open it up a little bit. Hey, you know, the they get a little bit away from the run, uh, you know, with David Montgomery and it's an opportunity. I think I even tweeted out at some point in the third quarter. It was just like, he just got scared in the way that he was calling things. And I just, I don't see them having trust in Justin Fields right now. I don't think they're giving up on him. And I, again, I want to make that point abundantly clear, but I don't think they trust him right now. I meant to say this during my uh, answer, but I just want to point it out in terms of what this offense looked like after the first possession, second possession of the game, there were two passes called. And then the third was a sack. They went three and out third possession. It started with a false start. And then they called one pass play that went over the line of scrimmage. So no play three and out fourth possession, two passes called three and out fifth possession, one pass, and then it basically was just one play because it was the end of the half. And then the sixth possession opening the third quarter, QB run, one pass, and then a sack, three and out. So all of those things, I mean, I don't know if that's – people are fixating on the 11 passes. It's not enough, but at the same time, the offense wasn't doing anything, and it's not like after the first possession where they had success, the Bears said, okay, we're not putting it in Justin Fields' hands. They just couldn't do anything with it when they did until they actually went back to the ground game and things started happening, but it was too late then. Just the flow was way off. So that's that's all I wanted to say on it. Yeah, that's a great point, Brendan. You need to get into a rhythm to have multiple passes, right? And uh, it could be that Getsy doesn't trust the offensive line. I know Olin Krutz, uh, I don't know if it was tongue-in-cheek or if it was serious, but he, he quote, t- tweeted Aaron Lemming, who, um, you know, Aaron said something that was frustrating was after two games, it seems like the Bears simply don't trust Justin Fields to throw the, throw the ball. And Krutz, uh retweeted it or quote tweeted it and said, looks like Getsy doesn't trust the pass pro. So it could be that too, right? It could be, like you said, Logan, they saw an opportunity to maybe sneak out of Green Bay with a win, didn't like the pass protection he was getting, didn't want to put him in bad situations and 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 tried to lean on the run. So again, that's why I'm going to reserve judgment uh, until I see this become a consistent theme. 
Um, but let's hope for better next week. Gentlemen, for this last one, this one probably, I'm guessing, is going to go pretty quick. Justin Fields hates Chicago Bears fans. Let's go Logan, Brendan, Patrick Sheldon, and I will finish it up. It's false. I That was that press conference and that quote is just the textbook definition of like, oh, Justin, you just didn't have to say it. It's like, I'm not even saying that you're wrong, but you just don't have to say that. And that's just him being young, having only been in the league for a little bit over a year, but it's just, oh, just shut up, man. Just shut up. That's it. False. Why is this a story? Okay, this is all anybody's talking about. Not the play, but the fact that he said something that rubbed a few fans along the way. I'm really upset. I can't talk about it. Um, No, I think Justin Fields needs a little bit of media training. And I think he was just defending his own team because a reporter asked him, like, what does this mean? Because the fans buy into this rivalry and everything. And he said, well, yeah, they do, but we players are doing stuff too. We're the ones, you know, laying our, our bodies on the line every game. And it's true. He could have said it a much better way, but this is nonsense. And you know what? You Bears fans, you just want to feel bad about something. You want to feel victimized for something just because we root for a bad team. Your quarterback doesn't hate you, okay? Shut the hell up. Yeah, I don't know if Justin Fields does, but there's a certain cross-section of the Chicago Bears fan base that I hate at the moment. (laughs) Uh, My gosh, guys, I agree with everything you've all said. If you're really this offended by, um, you know, uh, what was apparently a a misspeak by Justin Fields and like just reevaluate some things. Uh, I thought Mark Lazarus uh, summed it up perfectly. You know, what he was trying to say was essentially like, look, um, we feel even worse than you guys do. Like he was trying to get the point across that they feel awful about it. He gets the fans are passionate and they feel bad, but nobody feels worse than they do. Um, and that's true. Like if you're losing sleep and losing time with family and stewing for days over the loss, like then you need to reevaluate your life and priorities. We love football guys. We're very passionate about this, but there are things that are much bigger than football and to get offended because a person that does this for a living, who's put years and years of their time and blood, sweat and tears and effort and passion into playing this game, it says they're more upset about losing said game than you are sitting on your couch at home because you were salty for the rest of the day and couldn't spend time with your family. Like, holy crap, guys, grow up. Yeah, I, I don't know why this is a story. I mean, he's just defending his guys. And if if the Bears don't play well, which they don't, against especially during the Green Bay Packers, I don't have to worry about losing my job, you know, putting food on my table. Some of those guys do, especially the bottom of the roster guys. Yeah, it's just a non-story, and I don't know why it was there. All right, gentlemen, with uh, Jack not being able to make it, unfortunately, we are out of Jack's question. So it's time to get to shout-outs for this week. So let's go, Brendan. Patrick, Logan, and I will finish it up. Shout outs, boys. All right. I'm going to start with my guy, uh, Tyler, one of my very good friends. Um, he actually, he he was so excited to listen to the podcast last week. He told me we had a little bit of an audio issue. So he was the guy that saved the day. And I just want to shout out uh, my guy for doing that so quickly. Uh, that could have been bad news bears. 
I guess more bad news bears um, if that had kind of lingered, but um, just a huge supporter of the podcast. He's getting married soon. Um, you know, a lot going on his, in his life, but uh, shout out to you, man. Thank you so much and love our friendship. And I love that uh, you continue to listen. Uh, shout out to Larry Hawley of WGN. Um, such a cool experience getting to talk with him last week uh, for nine good minutes. Uh, Larry is somebody I've been following for a bit now and actually getting to talk bears with him and ha- him having a, me on his WGN show. Uh, just so cool. Like that's, that's such an honor. So uh, thank you, Larry. And it, it was just such a pleasure. Uh, Got to give a shout out to uh, Scar, the monster of the tri-state. He's a huge bears fan. He's got, if you haven't seen pictures, his man cave is just, it, it's unbelievable with how much bear stuff he's got underneath there. It's, it's crazy. And, uh, but my favorite thing about him is his lawn tradition of drawing phallic symbols across Jason Locken for his name. Anytime he makes a prediction, it lets me know that we're almost to bears game time. And it's just one of the funniest things I look forward to every week. So shout out to scar. Uh, thank you for, thank you for your service. We all need it. And finally, um, shout out to Chad Beasley. Um, this is a comment that, uh, actually means a real, a lot to me. Uh, so he tweeted like, his brother, I guess, sent him um, an article I wrote. He didn't know that I wrote it, but he opened it up and he's like, oh, it's just, it was so cool that I saw that Brennan wrote this. Um, and that really means a lot to me because I think sometimes I, I write a lot of pieces. I write a lot of articles for Bears Wire. And at times I feel like I maybe have imposter syndrome or something. Like I don't, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I know there's a lot of other people that do incredible jobs and incredible things with writing and podcasting. And um, honest to God, sometimes I'm not like the most confident in the things like I write, like I'm not a good writer or something. And, um, but just to see like something like that out of the blue um, after I wrote a piece just really made my day. And uh, it's stuff like that that really keeps me going because it's easy to get burned out doing this. Um, so, Chad, your your comment really meant a lot to me. And I want to thank you. Like, if I could thank you in person, I would. But thank you so much for saying that because uh, I definitely needed it. That's awesome, Brendan. And uh, I want to shout out Jason Malls. I hope I say your last name right. Jason Malls, perhaps, uh, at J-M-A-L-S-24. Uh, really good guy. We've had a lot of good interactions back and forth. Um, and I apologize because it's one of those ones where you, you you interact with somebody a lot and you realize you're not following them and you feel like a complete heel. So apologies, Jason. I've, I really enjoyed our interactions and I uh, wanted to make sure I gave you a shout out on, on tonight's show. Uh, and then um, similarly, I want to shout out uh, some of the new followers. I, I gained quite a few followers over the uh, the weekend from the game. And so if you're listening to this episode, I want to apologize because it probably doesn't get any better than it was. I think I peaked uh, Sunday night during the game. So, um, but if you're listening, you should stick with this podcast because the other four guys on this podcast are tremendous. And so if you're listening, thank you and continue to listen. We got great stuff planned for you this year uh, and this season. And I think you're really going to like um, the content that we have planned. So Thank you for following and thank you for your support. We hope you stick with us. I know a lot of people say that you aren't smart uh, shells and that you have nothing to offer this podcast and all that. Just don't listen to them. Don't listen to those people that keep saying <laughs> Most of them are on the screen at the moment. 
<laughs> All right. Um, my, I just got one shout out. Um, I shout out to TJ Brooks. He's a guy I always see on Twitter. He's always interacting with our stuff. That's at one, number one illustrious, I believe. Just a, a good guy. He always seems to be tweeting some funny stuff. Always appreciate the interactions. I again, I, I run multiple Twitter accounts, so I try to be on on Bear Down Bradley as much as I can. Shout out to that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, I, I appreciate his interactions and and uh, listen to the pod always. I'm gonna give a shout out to somebody not on Twitter, uh, but rather on Instagram, uh, had some back and forth with TJ from Instagram. He asked not to say the rest of his name. So TJ, thank you to you. Just, we had some, some awesome back and forth about why the bears lost this weekend. And so it was really, really, really cool. So, uh, if you're not following us on Facebook, Instagram, we would love for you to go out and do that. That would be fantastic. And then ill will Roy, uh, three Kings of the midway podcast, really good dude. And just some of the tweets that, that I see that he puts out, just, it's just so well thought out and he just, he's really good at what he does. And so, uh, Roy, thank you to you want to give two last shout outs from the podcast not necessarily from me the first is well kind of uh i got a chance to do the takeover tweets uh for sunday night's game uh and for the bear down chicago podcast and it was a lot of fun had some really great interactions with some of the people that i wasn't necessarily following and now i'm following so thank you to all of you that any of them you liked my tweets the favorite one which all of you guys will like this one the one that was the most liked was Kyler Gordon may be a good cornerback someday, but today is not that day. That got a lot of like, so thank you for all that. And then uh, our first Twitter spaces, Brendan, there you go. What, what'd you think? Uh, that was really cool. I, I think we had like maybe 20 people in there at once, uh, like 45 minutes before the game. Uh, Ryan was there. Jack was there. I was there. Um, and just kind of hearing from our listeners, actually, like we got to hear from TJ. We got to hear from uh, Zach, like a few people that, as we actually gave shout outs earlier, you kind of communicate with and talk with back and forth on Twitter, but to actually have a conversation with them, it was really cool. So uh, I'm glad we did it. I know we'll be doing it again soon and we'll also do another Twitter takeover. We'll have somebody else uh, take over the Twitter account for a game, but yeah, I thought that was really fun uh, amid just an awful, awful game. Folks, we know you can get your Bears content anywhere. There are 8 billion new Bears podcasts just this week alone, and you're listening to this one, so that means more than any of us on this podcast can say. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for Logan Bradley, Brendan Chagru, Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright. I'm Ryan Dangle. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and as always, Bear Down, Chicago. <laughs>